0: In 1 Peter chapter 4, reading the first 11 verses. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that god supplies in order that in everything god may be glorified through jesus christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever amen this is god's word it is true and it is given out of his love you may be seated
1: amen thanks stacy good morning everybody Good to be with you today. Uh, in Denver this morning, the sun was out. I don't know if it's out here yet. I drove into a big bowl of soup this morning when I came down here. Quite foggy, but good to be with you. Uh, we, we are, as you just heard there, we're, we're still going through the book of First Peter. It's been such a, a rich study for us. And uh, if you were here last week, you know that Colbert really, uh, he spent some more time sort of unpacking the status of That Peter wants us to remember one of the churches there, and us also to remember that we are uh, elect exiles. And uh, I don't want to repeat everything he said. That every intro is the same, but Peter keeps coming back to that theme of who we are, what what we should expect. Um, But it kind of stuck out to me uh, this week. I had the I had the privilege this week of going to the Nuggets playoff game this week. Super fun. Go Nuggets! and we, I was sitting there, and it kind of hit me. I was like, "We, we are, we were that night the home team. We were the home team. We, we were. You know, we had all the fans uh, cheering us on. We were in control of of uh, what time we were going to open the doors to the arena. What, you know, what time the game starts. We were, we were in control of the arena. In fact, there's been allegations uh, previously and in uh, the NBA playoffs that certain teams have turned the thermostat up in the visitors' locker room so that it's just unbearably hot for the visitors. And uh, you say, well, that's not fair. What is that? Well, it's not your arena. Like, it's our place. You can do whatever you want. This is our arena. We get to set the thermostat, right? So they're in charge of all that stuff. Um, people say that you get more favorable uh, foul calls when you're at home, when you're the home team, right? You guys have heard that. People complain about it. Um, and so I was sitting there thinking, like, here we are, the home team. And And what Peter keeps trying to hammer home to us in this book that we've been going through is that as the church, we are not the home team. We are not the home team. Uh, We're exiles. We're exiles here. And I think it's hard for us as, uh, you know, as Christians, we can actually live in an area maybe that is, that there is like a lot of, other Christians who live near us, and, and, and we can, you know, we're in a friendly place towards our faith, so we can start to feel like the home team. We need to be reminded, no, we are not the home team. We're exiles, and because that's true, um, Peter wants these churches, and, and, you know, by way of, you know, history all down through the ages, us as well, to be ready for suffering. This has been a huge theme in the book. Uh, We talked about it last week, Colbert talked about it last week, the last time I spoke a few weeks ago in chapter 2, it was a huge uh, theme, here it is again today, Um, and if we're not the home team, if we're not in control of society, if we're not in control of all of that stuff, then we should expect hardship, and we should expect suffering. That's what we should expect, and we don't want to sort of be met with that disappointment of unmet expectations, right? Disappointment's unavoidable, but whenever that happens, we want to ask ourselves, well, well what was the expectation, right? Should I have it? Uh, should I not? And Peter is saying, guys, the expectation, we're not the home team, right? He keeps hammering that home. In fact, J.I. Packer uh, says it like this. I think I have this up here. J.I. Packer says, the world's idea that everyone from childhood up should be able at all times to succeed in measurable ways and that it's a great disgrace not to hangs over the Christian community like a pall of acrid smoke. I don't know what that means. I don't know what acrid, it sounds bad. Okay? I think J.I. Packer means it's bad. That we have that mindset. We have that mindset that we should be able to succeed. Everything should be in our favor. the the, the odds would ever be in our favor, that the, the cards would be stacked in our favor all the time. When we expect that, yeah, you know, that's a bad expectation for us. J.I. Packer is saying it hangs over it's kind of a it hangs over the church that when we expect people to develop that way, when we expect our own lives to be that way, it can hurt us spiritually. And so Peter wants our expectations to continually be uh, in the right place. So I want to look at the angle uh, that Peter comes at it today and see what the Holy Spirit inspired uh, this text to show us. So let's look here at chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have a Bible or a phone Bible, swipe over. First Peter chapter 4, he starts out this way. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So Peter is laying out two mindsets here, two mindsets that we can have. The will of God or human passions. The will of God or human passions. Those are the mindsets we can come in. And in verse 1 it says, have the same way of thinking as Christ who suffered in the flesh. Luke 9, back in the Gospel, says that Jesus, knowing what was going to happen, we forget that Jesus knew where he was headed, right? He knew what was going to happen. It says in Luke 9 that he set his face towards Jerusalem to go there, knowing the suffering that was coming. And and Peter is sort of encouraging us to think in the same way. We know, the expectation is, there will be difficult times. We're headed into some of those things. Go anyway. If Christ has called you to do that, that's the expectation. And then he says, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? I think when believers, for us, when believers endure suffering for the sake of Christ, they show, we show at that moment that our purpose in life is not to live for our own pleasures, but according to the will of God and for His glory. When you're willing to suffer and willing to walk into a difficult situation, you're showing at that moment that you're not here for the pleasures of the world, but for the will of God. And at that moment, you're not sinning. <laughs> the root of sin is severed when our focus is, no matter what's happening here, I'm doing, I am I want to do what God wants me to do, not what my desires might be. That mindset at that moment is, has ceased from sin. And so we have to be prepared and be willing to go without to be ridiculed, as we see in, in verse 4 coming up, um, to make different decisions than our culture would. Some of those will be painful. You know, some of us have made decisions to, to speak up on an issue or made decisions about um, you know, the, the primacy of church or made decisions about certain social issues in the last few years, and we've lost friends because of that. You said something that God. you felt like God called you to do. Maybe you checked it out with with other uh, community friends. You're like, yeah, I I, I have a new understanding about this. I feel this way about this issue. And maybe some other folks did not appreciate that. That's what Peter's saying. When we're willing to, to follow God into all that he has for us, following the Spirit... At that moment, we've ceased from sin. We might be ridiculed. We might have to be willing to go without certain things. We might make a financial decision for the kingdom of God, for the will of God, which means we don't make that big purchase of something else. Amen. That's the two mindsets right there. Will of God versus human passions. Paul also spoke about these two mindsets back in Romans 8. He said this. He said, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. (laughs) But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. We're going to talk more later about the Spirit of God dwelling in us, what that means for us as Christians. Paul is just saying that there's two ways to go. There's two mindsets to have, the flesh and the spirit. So in our passage today, Peter's pointing out that being willing to suffer in the flesh keeps us from sin, shows that our value is to follow Christ instead of our own passions. And so we might ask, just as we begin today, we might just ask the question, maybe the spirit's bringing it to mind, is there a difficult thing that God is asking me to step into? Maybe something he wants me to leave behind or something he wants me to head towards. Let's let the Spirit show us those things. Even this morning, or as we step into our week, as we consider this uh, in our DCs maybe, is there something that I'm avoiding that God is calling me into? Peter's saying, no, head into that. Maybe, Or maybe the opposite, something to leave behind that I have been doing. So what does, what does each of those mindsets lead us to? Will of God versus human passions, where do those go? Well, he, he shows us in sort of, uh, vivid uh, picture here. It um, says, so as to live, verse 2, for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Verse 3, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Remember, Peter was writing this to, to Jewish communities and Gentile communities, but when he says that, when he sets it off, he just means that the, the broader culture, the broader Gentile culture, certainly Gentiles were reading this letter, uh, letter um, but the broader, broader culture when, when he says that. When I, when I think, I don't know about you, but when I think about the New Testament, when I think about Bible times and we've seen Bible stories, uh, I, or, you know, it's read the Bible, when I read the Bible or I hear a sermon on the New Testament, I have this picture in my mind Sorry about this, but I have this picture in my mind that it's kind of like Little House on the Prairie. Okay, that's sort of how I think about it. You know, it's a farmers' farmland, people being very kind to each other, uh, one-room schoolhouse. You know, John Boy, the whole—that's the Waltons. But you know, the, the whole thing, right? Like that's—I just sort of view the New Testament that way, and, and look at verse three. Like, we can forget the first century of, of the Roman Empire was very secular, very secular, very fleshly. Our modern our modern comparative to where Peter and Paul were ministering might actually be more like Las Vegas, not Little House on the Prairie, okay? Las Vegas. It's like Peter and Paul, especially in places like Corinth, which we read uh, later on, you know, they were planting, like, First Baptist Bellagio, right? That's what was happening. Like, they were putting churches, these areas were not Little House on the Prairie. Like, look at the list there, drunkenness, drinking parties, orgies. These are people, this is very, very similar to our society, these things were all going on. And, and it shows what that mindset is that's opposed to all suffering. How can I meet my physical appetites, my physical desires in every way? How can I avoid hardship? Um, how can I not go without anything that I want? Certainly, we live in a culture very similar to that. And even at a lower level than, than verse 3, just, you know, this, anything goes in decency, right? Verse 3, a lower, lower level, it feels like most of our culture uh, here on the front range especially is, is actually working to the exact opposite of the mindset of being willing to suffer. We're, we're working very hard, actually, and trying to do many things so that we won't ever suffer. How to avoid suffering, avoid awkwardness, right? Make sure your physical body, your desires, your needs, and wants are all being met all the time. Buy a bigger house, buy a second house. Go on a better vacation than your neighbors and post pictures about it. Make sure everything is smooth all the time. That's our culture. That's our culture, that's, that's where we live. And uh, and and Peter is trying to show the opposite of that versus being willing to know I will actually do hard things if it is God's will for that. And, and once we sort of... Uh, start to try to build into only our desires and know I'm going to meet this desire, I'm going to do this, I'm gonna, i am going. I got to get all I can get. Once we do that, we stop then living for the will of God. Even unknowingly, once we're saying, no, it's all about what I want and meeting it, at that moment we've sort of ceased following what God has for us. It's where we live. And, and look at verse 4. What, what happens is we get ridiculed when we have different values. With respect to this, verse 4, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, right? So our culture doesn't understand. And that also in itself is a form of suffering as we see that we don't, you know, it feels like we don't belong in some places in our culture, right? Because um, we're exiles. We have a different philosophy. And so we can feel set apart. We can feel other you know, in some places because we feel differently about things, and that's as common as just being in the neighborhood and going around, and, and, you know, your, your three neighbors are talking about how they're, you know, gonna put that addition on their house and, and, you know, build that $3,000 shed in the backyard, and here you are going, yeah. I, I got nothing, <laughs> you know, I, here I am, I have nothing, I have no additions being made, no renovations are planned, right, like, you know, so you just feel like that moment, like, I have different Values, nothing wrong with putting an addition on your house, it got quiet. I'm just saying that, that you can feel different and feel like you have different values at, at times in our culture that's so based upon meeting all our desires all the time. Now let's look at verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is why the gospel was preached Even to those who are now dead, NIV adds now, I think it helps us understand the verse. The gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Peter's saying we have to look at the bigger picture, right? He's saying we have to look beyond this life. And he helps us to do that. There's an eternal reality here. God is judge. Everyone in this room, everyone in culture will one day die in our flesh. And the end of all things is at hand. See, here's the flaw in our culture's thinking and in, in the first century as well. I only have 60, 70, 80 years. That's all I have. I have to do everything I can. You only live once, right? YOLO. The only ones I got to get it all now before I die, especially here in Colorado, I have to have every experience possible to me. And then, and then, especially if you, (laughs) where I live near Boulder, I want to extend my life as long as I can, right, to enjoy more and more and more because this is all I got. I want to live forever and enjoy everything I possibly can in this life. And, And Peter reminds us that that line of thinking isn't true. The, the mistake can go either way. We can think that hard things and, and tragedies are robbing us of a good life and we'll never get it back. And we can think that we have to pile up the good things and stack them up because we'll never get a crack at it again. So I better just fill the ledger with all the good things I've experienced and all the things I can buy and have. That's our culture and I don't know if you're like me, but I, sometimes I, I struggle with that, with, with the, the inability to maybe get done all the things that I would like to get done. I've had to, I've had to make peace with the fact in my life there, there, might, uh, there might never be that Mediterranean vacation. I've gotten to go to some great places in my life. I have things I'd like to do. I might never get there. I might never get to do, you know, Machu Picchu, right? Might never get to do that. Might never get to see the pyramids. I'd like to, but I don't know. I might not, and, and, and I, have, I have to make peace with the fact that I might not get to get everything done that I want to get done, but here's the secret that Peter's saying by having an eternal mindset, see, all of that is okay if I don't get to see any of that. If God takes me home next week, never see the pyramids, it's okay because here's the thing, all of us in this room will be alive in a thousand years, all of us. Maybe in about a 1,000 years, I will then go see the Mediterranean, when it's perfect, uncorrupted. See, right now, the Mediterranean's messed up. Why? Sin. One day, new creation, new earth. Then I'll go. Maybe I'll actually get to go to Machu Picchu when I have the lungs to actually make it up. See, I'm a, I'm a failed, failed 14er uh, climber here. I, I just want you, I want to come clean like I didn't make it. I don't have the lungs for it. I, I fell asleep. I almost passed out. It was bad, bad deal. Long story. I can't do it. I'm not built for 14 years. One day, perfect lungs, brother. I'm going. I will see the new perfect creation, and I'll see it then. I'm good. It's good. Might not see the pyramids now. I don't know if I'll make it, but I'm good. I do not have to have every experience right now. I'm going to say that again. You might want to write this down. Ready? With me? I do not have to have every experience right now. It's the opposite of verse 3. Okay? Dr. John Piper says it this way. There are dreams that should wait for the age to come. The world is fallen and there are other things to do. They will come. Period. We've got to remember that. Peter is telling us to take the eternal Mindset and look at things. God is judge. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, don't live like you only have 70 or 80 years to get everything that you want. False. We come against our culture with that. So instead of that got to get it all now mindset, Peter tells them and us in verse 7 to be sober minded. Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. If you had to pick one word to describe our culture here on the front range, I don't think you would pick the word sober. There's Many reasons for that. It's not the word we would use. We're active, we're impulsive, we're mobile, moving around, always looking for the next big thing, always moving uh, you know, we were known—we were the first state to legalize marijuana. Known for being high, uh, and, and not—you know—not just with drugs, but but not even having our minds in a good place, not being wise and discerning. Those are not things we would equate with our culture, right? We're we're high, Rocky Mountain high, going, right? Not sober. And Peter here calls us to be sober-minded. So, so what is he what is he talking about? That that word. Gonna go Greek here for a minute. That word, sophreneo, or to think shrewdly. I, I love this this definition of it. This God-controlled perspective blends the extremities of truth on both sides of matter. I like that. It doesn't mean you take the mushy middle, and you don't you don't have a strong take, right? That's not what we're called to as Christians to to just be sort of up for whatever, right? No, it's saying you take those extremes and you put them together, you meld them together. That's being sober-minded, thinking soberly, being shrewd, being discerning and wise. It's not that I'm you know, uh, ignoring evidence and cutting myself off from, from new thinking and just saying, no, I'm going to stick in my bubble everything I believe right now. is okay. Like, no, no, that's not sober-minded. Sober-minded is, no, I'm, I'm considering things and I'm being discerning and wise with that. And that's the opposite of... Get all I can get right now. I'm going to run out of time. I have to do it all now. Or the other error that we mentioned a minute ago is that uh, life is against me. And so since I've had suffering in my life, I guess I'm just going to miss out on everything. And so I guess I'm just sort of cursed. A little rain cloud follows me around. Right? That's my life. That's another sort of temporal mindset, temporary mindset. And Peter's saying, no, take an eternal mindset and be sober-minded and be wise and discerning. Not escape whenever I can, not escape my life whenever I can, um, not experience everything that my bodily desires tell me to experience. No, but be sober minded. Do it all to the glory of God. Sober minded. Let's look at verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, what helps us with staying sober minded? That's what Peter tells us here. A few things that help us one, to focus on others, being hospitable, focusing on others' needs over our own. And then he gets into the, the spiritual gifts that are appointed God, where he kind of has two categories of gifts of service and then gifts of speaking. Um, verse 10, for others, as each has a received a gift, use it to serve who? One another. If you have a gift, use it to serve one another. That helps keep us sober-minded, helps keep us discerning and wise and, and able to blend the extremes of an issue if we're focused on someone else's needs except our own for the sake of one another, and then focus Godward, a focus on serving others for God and His glory, not for our own benefit. That thinking right there can help us in prosperity, in the culture that we live, which is very prosperous. That thinking that I'm going to see what someone else's needs are and help them, not so that I can make an Instagram story about it, but for the glory of God, I'm going to help you for the glory of God, can help us in a culture of prosperity. So God has given us things so that we can bless others. And what did Paul say at the beginning of the chapter? When we're we're thinking and discerning that, I wonder if someone has a need that I can help with that would glorify God. What are we not doing at that moment? Sinning. I heard it. We're not sinning because I'm thinking... Not about who. Thinking about how I could serve you for the glory of God. And so that helps to sober us and get us thinking of eternal things if we're considering our neighbor for the glory of God. So to sum up, again, there's two mindsets, right? The will of God versus human passions. We talked about some things. The will of God. You may suffer. You may have to do hard things for the will of God. Let me just say this. You will Have to do hard things for the will of God in our culture. Got to be willing to do that. Using our gifts for his glory. Self-controlled, sober-minded, and earnest love for each other. It says be hospitable to each other. Sharing what you have with others. Being hospitable. That's the will of God versus human passions. Do whatever my desires and urges are. Two different mindsets. Do whatever it is that my desires and urges are telling me or be about what God has for me. Now you might think to yourself... It just, seems, it just seems hard, <laughs> right? It just seems directive. And Aaron just said, do that. Do the hospitality stuff. Stop doing your urges, right? It just seems difficult. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm usually, if we're being honest, all of us are usually focused on what our desires are at a given moment. Just be honest about that. I'm usually focused on what it is that I would like to do right now, <laughs> Right? And and so, so what do we do? I think what we want to come back to, which Peter is sort of assuming here, and it's laid out elsewhere, that the amazing precious gospel truth is that God provides the things that He requires. That which God requires, He provides for us. Let's look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's just mind-blowing. Everything that we've said today that we want to be about and head towards, Paul is telling us we have what? First, First sentence, we have received the Spirit, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So two mindsets, will of God, human passions. Which one did God give us? He gave us the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. What a precious truth. That when you're in that place of, man, I really, I'm struggling. I just want to do what I want right now. I don't want to care about anyone else. I, I I want to fulfill my desires here, even though it may not be right to do so. It may not be appropriate. I just want to do what I want. I don't want to care about anything else. Remember, Christian, sister, brother, God has given you the mind of Christ to discern his will right then. As Paul, I'm sorry, as Peter said earlier, uh the Spirit of God, if He dwells within you, and He does, we have the mind of Christ. So are we always going to do it perfectly? And we're always going to make the right decision? No, we're not. No, we're not. But that doesn't change the fact of what what Paul is saying is that as, you know, Peter's telling us what to be about, telling us things to stay away from, things to do, the Holy Spirit lives in us to help us discern those things. And He's not going away when you have a bad week at it you know when you hit a holiday uh, when you when you hit a solid c minus on a week of just man I really just failed didn't take care of my family much it was kind of self-centered you know sinned in this and that way you don't lose the spirit Christ has given it to you we have received not the spirit of world we have received not first Peter chapter 4 verse 3 we haven't received He didn't give us all that, the desires just to fulfill every need and urge that we have. No, He's given us the mind of Christ. He's given us the mindset of living for Him. He's given us the mindset of being willing to suffer. How do I I get that? How do I be willing to do hard things? You have it. Christ lives in you, and so you can step into that difficult conversation. You can step into that hard place. Step into helping others. You can... can, uh, Obey the call that God may have on you to do some difficult things. Of being sober-minded. Maybe some of us actually in this room struggle with sobriety. How, how do I do that? How do I get back to stop trying to escape my life whenever I can? Not just drugs, maybe not, not just alcohol. Maybe, you know, I know for me, like when I'm on my seventh college football game, when Saturdays roll around in the fall, it's like maybe it's time to think about that a little bit. Like what am I avoiding here? Number seven, Right? Like, what am I trying to keep myself from? What am I running away from in my life when I'm just addicted, right? Whatever it is, Peter says, be sober-minded. We have the Spirit to help us do that and to bring us back to the truth of God. So ask him, ask Christ to help you listen to the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to to remind you of things, to stay in step with the Spirit, Paul tells us to. Ask for that, ask for the help with that. Over our culture, The culture that we're swimming in will not lead us to these things. How many real estate signs do you see? Hey, you know what? Here's a really nice house, but be sober-minded. Do what you can afford. (laughs) Has anyone ever seen that? Never seen it, right? Our culture is not going to encourage us in these ways, but the Spirit of God will. And so we are filled with Him and as, as Paul says there in 1 Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. And so when we think of these two mindsets, what we're going to lean towards and what we're going to encourage each other. See, this is a tool as we live in community and we see folks, I'm struggling with this, struggling with that, to come alongside each other and, and point people towards, hey, you have the mind of Christ. Lean into those things that you know are right. Lean into doing that hard thing that you know you probably need to do. Lean into leaving behind that thing that you probably need to leave behind. We can help encourage each other uh, in those ways. And so as we, as we go to our tables, I want us to dialogue about that. Again, I think that the Spirit can use passages like this to bring to our mind, oh, yeah, there's that thing I'm avoiding, right? Football game number five, <laughs> probably avoiding something. Don't want to talk to my kids, but whatever it is, Right. What is it that I need to step into? Maybe the Spirit's brought some things up this morning. I want want us to dialogue about that, help each other, encourage each other, maybe pray for somebody in that as they need to step into something, being willing to suffer, to to walk into the will of God, and how can we be sober-minded with all that God's given us? So I'll pray, and we'll go to our tables and uh, spend some time around those things before we continue on this morning. Pray with me. Lord, I and I think everyone here, we want to be the kind of people that, that do lean into the mind of Christ that we've been given um, to follow your will for us. We want to lean away from our urges. We want to lean away from, from just sort of doing what would be uh, self-centeredly the best thing for us. Lord, would you help us with that? Father, would you guide us into those things and the good news of the gospel? The good news of all that you've provided for us would that encourage us and and sort of spur us on to those things. And Lord, I just I think when in a passage like this, there's many here who are in a suffering season that they did not want and and uh, that is not necessarily something that you want us just to learn from, but but you want to care for us in that. And so God, I just pray uh, a word of care and of peace over those kinds of situations where what we need to learn is that we can hold on to a gracious Savior and just hang on to you. I pray that peace over anyone who needs to hear that today. Um, And God, would you just show us as we step into Monday tomorrow where it is that you want us to walk, what conversations you want us to have, um, what decisions you want us to make that would show that our value is to be about the mind of Christ instead of just our passions and urges. Would you show us those things? Show us those paths. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Off to your tables.
2: All right. Hope hope your discussions went well. I I think this is such an important aspect of our service that we get to uh, turn our chairs inward and uh, face each other at our tables and process what it is that God is showing us from His Word. I mean, when we... Uh, when we gather and we study God's word, the expectation is that is that we will encounter Jesus, and anytime you encounter Jesus through his word, it is going to bring life transformation, and I think that that transformation happens best in community, like that last question is that Aaron had for us there, this reminder that uh, that I, I need to hear what your thoughts are at the table, and, and we need to share our thoughts with one another and what's going on in our lives and what, what God is doing, so um, as we wrap up the service, one of the things we always want to do is we, we respond to what God has shown us in his word through worship, so worship is includes singing. When we sing Jesus praises, we're showing a heart that has been uh, transformed by responding to Jesus. Uh, We also worship uh, God through prayer. And so if you would like prayer for anything, I'll be in the back corner. I would love to pray for you. Uh, We we worship God through the giving of our our tithes and offerings. We say that if God has uh, given us his son as a demonstration of his love, then we can give out of joy of our finances in order to worship him. That's why we have the offering box in the back. And we also respond through communion. And so communion is this weekly reminder that uh, all the things that we hear in God's Word are so true, they're so tangible, they're so... uh, physically change our lives, that we need this tangible reminder of a a bread and a a cracker and some juice that points us to the fact that this is only possible because Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. And so when you come to a passage like Aaron preached for him today uh, and talks about uh, Christ's suffering in the flesh, it's this reminder that that this is not just like a a nice story that we read about from a long time ago. Uh, This is the, the most important event that happened in the history of the universe and his suffering in the flesh for our sins is the reason why we can come to him in faith. And so as we've been going through the book of 1 Peter, it's amazing how many times uh, uh, suffering ends up coming up. And one of the places in particular we want to keep going back to is uh, in chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. I'm sorry, 22 through 25. Peter says, "Uh, Jesus committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of our souls. And so, so that idea of like suffering, it can feel so unfair when we go through pain, when we go through hard things, and, and it can feel like, why, why is this happening? And Peter continually re- draws our attention back to the fact that the only truly unfair suffering that ever took place in the history of the earth was when Jesus, who lived a completely sinful life, had never done anything wrong. When he suffered in our place for our sins, that was the moment of a truly undeserved suffering. But when we come to Jesus in faith, it's this transaction that takes place, where our sin is put on His shoulders and His righteousness is placed in our hearts, and because of that, we can come to God in faith and be restored in, in relationship to Him. And so, when we come to the table, we serve open communion here, which means at any of these tables around the room, if you are a follower of Christ, come and take of the elements. Uh, go back to your chair during these next two songs. Uh, uh, pray to Jesus, confess your sins, be reminded of His grace for you, and as you take those elements, just as they taste real on your tongue. The gospel and the life-transforming power of God's grace is just that real on your soul as well. So if you are able, please join me in standing, and I will pray for us as we prepare to worship Jesus in song and prayer and uh, coming to the table. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for mornings like this where we can gather as your people and and be reminded that uh, you suffered in our place. Even though you lived a sinless life and deserved nothing but worship, uh, you died a criminal's death out of your love for us. Like that, like that verse uh, 8 said today, that uh, love covers a multitude of sins. God, our, our sin has been covered by the love that you demonstrated to us on the cross. And so as we come to the table, whether it's we've uh, come to, to the uh, communion table often or whether this is our first time because we just put our faith in you this morning, God, whatever uh, our position as we take these elements, that your spirit would strengthen our souls so that we can worship you with all of our lives. And in your name we pray, amen.